morning. I'm Meredith. This is Wiley. Um, Luke, Luke 2, 21 through 35. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the words Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Let us pray. Father, Lord Jesus, um, we ask that, uh, like Simeon, uh, today we can be present with you this being the last day of 2023, uh, a lot can happen in a year. Um, a lot can happen in one day, uh, Father. But uh, like Simeon, to be present, to be mindful of what is before us. And so I ask that you remove distractions. Uh, let our minds uh, patiently uh, await your word as it comes through Aaron, that uh, it may be spoken with clarity and with boldness. Father, we ask that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to understand your truth, and hearts to believe. Amen. Amen and amen. Uh, just want to say up front, uh, I've been giving a lot of hugs this morning. If you don't know me, I'm sorry I gave you a hug. I've just been hugging all the people. Uh, so good to be here with you and before you to see familiar faces uh, and to encounter and, and, and experience with you guys what we have been up to uh, from the very beginning of inviting all people to follow Jesus in all of life. And so uh, I'll talk a little bit about that there um, at the end. And so uh, Chloe and I think about you often. Uh, we love you guys. And uh, it's pretty unreal to uh, to be asked to return to uh, to preach, it really is a gift. So I thank you, brother, for uh, for that invite. Um, as we are Team Jesus and Team Kingdom uh, for His glory and our good, whether it's here in Fort Bend County or Washington County, where I'm at, we want to see gospel saturation so that every man, woman, and child come to faith in Jesus Christ. This is why this is why we gather. This is why we do what we do. So this is why we are gathered here today, the gathering of the saints, to talk about Epiphany Sunday. That light light has Light has come. 
And so we're in this uh, the season of this 12, day, 12 days of Christmas someone talked about uh, of where uh, Christmas has ended. Uh, and we're celebrating the one that has come to demonstrate and to provide light in the midst of darkness. And so our title this morning, our title this morning is Light and Glory. Light and Glory, as we'll see here in Luke chapter Two, because it's there in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be light. And what did he do? He separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day and he called the darkness, he called that night. Church, let me ask you a question, opening question up front is this. Church, can you imagine a world, imagine a world without light? We've become so accustomed to having light readily accessible in our pocket, literally on our phones. I don't know how it is with you guys, but like immediately I'm reaching for my phone to shine the light on as I'm going through my house. So my kids are sleeping, I don't want to be stumbling through. And every now and then I find myself in my garage. As I go into the garage and we have this uh, sensor thing on our garage. As we walk in, the light comes on, beautiful light, shines bright. But we have these fluorescent bulbs that I'm too lazy and cheap to replace at the moment. So I go into my garage, those things are out, the light comes on, but after a while, after I'm in my garage for a little bit, the light will go off. And sometimes the sensor gets blocked from detecting motion. So there I am alone in the garage, in the dark, thinking my kids and family have played a major prank on me. Y'all, it's a terrifying thing to be alone in the, in the dark, in the garage. Am I, am I alone in this? And not about how y'all's house is or how your garage looks right now, but it's just full of Christmas stuff that we've held on for I don't know how long. The lights go out, you're stumbling into things, you're, you're, you're kind of feeling your way around. I'm doing the YMCA just to get the light motion on. I wish there was a camera in our garage to see how much we move to get the light to turn on. It's a desperate thing to be left in the middle of the dark. It's a terrifying thing. We long for light to break in. And good news this morning, light has broken in and it is breaking in and will break in. We crave for direction. We crave clarity. So if you are coming in this morning a bit purposelessness, if you want to come in maybe wandering a little bit or looking for clarity, I have good news. Light has come from Genesis chapter 1. When God's people, when he delivered them out of Egypt, what did he do? He led by a pillar of fire by night. When the giving of the law was given, what did God do? He descended in fire when the prophets of Baal rolled up on Elijah and said, hey, your God is nothing, Elijah said, just stay and wait. What did he do? He called down fire there in 1 Kings chapter 18. When God's authority was in question, when there, was, when there wasn't clarity, when there was uncertainty, God showed up in light. And there would be one who would, be, who would come that Luke chapter 2 talks about that Simeon breaks in and says, there's a light that is coming for the nations, for all peoples, a Messiah who is going to come. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Bada boom, bada bang, baby. This anticipation of the light who would come, the, the people walked in deep darkness, we talk about during Advent. A great light has shone. And what did this Messiah do? What did Jesus do when he showed up? He brought sight to the blind. He didn't just say he was the light of the world. He demonstrated that he was the light of the world. And took on the darkness of the cross and rose from the grave. That light has broken in, therefore we have hope. And in that life that he lived for us, he provided sight to the blind. Those who were caught up in, in spiritual darkness, spiritual bondage. Imagine that world. 
that I'm going to give you sight to show us what he does spiritually. That apart from Jesus, we are spiritually blind and he has the power to save. Light has come and light is coming back where Jesus will be our light forever. No more electric bills. No more trying to find the electric company that I save as much money as you possibly can on every year. I don't know if you guys do that. We have one electric company there in Brenham. I didn't have a choice, but I'm looking forward to the day of no longer paying them because Jesus is going to light up our night forevermore. So if you're the type that stays up till midnight to watch the ball drop, good for you. I'm passed out by then. But as we look and encounter that ball dropping, as this new year comes in into motion, we remember that Jesus has touched down in our lives to give light to our resolutions this year. I have three words really for us this morning. Every now and then I think about words for every new year that happens. Three words, and the first word is patience that we'll see here with Simeon. Look at me with Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Jesus has been born. About 30 days have happened. Mary and Joseph are going to Jerusalem with their new wiggly one, fresh out of the womb. They got their bugaboo stroller, got their Graco, got Jesus all looking nice and good, got his tie on. Jesus is like, listen here, Dad, I'll, I'll show you how to tie a tie, all right? I'm Jesus, okay? And I'm going to the temple to be presented. And they roll up in there. It's baby dedication Sunday, y'all, okay? That's where we're at. Luke chapter 2, verse 25, the Bible says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous, and he was devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and here it is, the Holy Spirit was upon him. We don't know that much about Simeon. He may have been a bit older based upon a comment he'll make here later about departing in peace. This passage doesn't state that he was a priest or held some kind of office in the temple. He was, he was a layman. But what we do know is that this average guy was righteous and devout in the midst of the wait. In the midst of longing, in the midst of the ache, in the midst of showing to the temple day after day after day after being told to him in some mysterious way that he would see the Christ. He shows up to the temple faithfully, waiting and longing and hoping. And that word devout there in your Bible, it means taking hold well. To wait well, church, to wait well is to take hold well. It's this picture of, of clinging on to the promise, of, of taking hold to the promise in the promise keeper. And as we do this, as we wait well, as this, this devout word uh, presents to us, is that we would embrace delayed gratification knowing something better is coming. We would embrace delayed gratification or delayed or deferred gratification and not settling for instant gratification. I mean, we live in a world that everything is accessible and immediate and now within a click of a button, you can have your groceries delivered to you right to your front door. You can have food delivered right to your, to your door as well. You don't know the answer to what your kids are studying in school. You're like, man, I didn't take calculus, I didn't take algebra in like 15 or 20 years. How am I going to figure this out? We Google it. And in, in an instant, we have results. Maybe not the best results, but we got results. We live in an instant society, instant culture. This past uh, fall, we were watching the Astros play, and, and everybody said amen. 
training my kids right. We're watching the, watching the Astros. Did you guys know that there's a thing called commercials? My kids didn't even know what commercials were. They saw some commercials, and they were more excited about the commercials than the actual game. Judah's like, come on, Ruby, commercials are on. Let's watch some commercials. Y'all remember we had to like, actually schedule time to watch our favorite show? Where everything wasn't so bingeable, I mean streamable. Everything's just instantly accessible at our fingertips. I'm not saying those things are bad, but they're conditioning us to not wait well. And when we don't get things in the time frame we desire, we reach for control and we take matters into our own hands. Teenagers, young adults, look with me, mark this down. There are some things in you that ought to be not awakened until it's the right time. There's a delayed gratification. There's a deferred gratification that doesn't cave into now, but waits to later. That God is doing something. He's preparing in you this time of singleness and this time of waiting that's why Song of Solomon says, O daughter of Jerusalem, O son, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Church, if we don't tap into the Spirit, who is our greatest comfort, we'll take hold of other shallow comforts that feel good in the moment, but bring about shame. And they bring about a break in fellowship with God ultimately and also with one another. Didn't we see this in Genesis? Constantly throughout Genesis? God's people not being able to wait there in the beginning. We have sin, death, and evil in this world because a reach happened. A reach that shouldn't, shouldn't have happened did happen. And then, therefore, God made his reach and declared a promise that I'm going to be right. I'm going to make things right now and forevermore. I'm going to be your comfort, her. That's why he has given us his Holy Spirit to dwell in us, to be our comfort, we serve our Emmanuel who is with us, but church, our God is in us. He has constantly progressed in history of moving closer and closer to his people. So with the help of the spirit that's been provided, where in your life do you need to cultivate presence and patience? Where do you need to cultivate presence and patience to take hold of knowing he has taken hold of you? to tend to, to shine, to shine the light on those places that may not be comfortable, but that we'd give our king access and freedom to do his sanctifying work in you. So we list out New Year's resolutions. We, 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 we lean into this patience that, that Simeon has given, knowing that we're not going to be able to accomplish all the things that we want to accomplish in the time that we want to accomplish them. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just in a season where we are just in go mode, we're, we're preparing for little ones coming on the way, not just one little one on the way, but two, two twins on the way, people. Chloe's one and four, and I said, no way, maybe three, maybe. And the Lord said, I'm listening to her prayers and not your prayers, bada boom. And we've just been going. Right now, we're not only have twins on the way, but we're remodeling our bathroom, and I'm trying to do it. Because we're in such an instant gratification of society, I got YouTube, I can figure it out. So what was I doing yesterday? I had paint on me, I, 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 I had all this junk on me, caulk on me, and I'm frustrated because I can't complete the project in the time that I want to, and there's things in me that are surfacing that aren't good. The Lord brings refining, the Lord brings weight in our lives for things to come to the surface, for him to say, yeah, 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 I want that. That desire for control, give it to me. 
That comfort that you're looking for, find it in me. That fear that you've been dealing with, that's been driving your life, you may look successful on the outside, but underneath those waters may be a whole lot of fear. Maybe fear of a coach. Maybe, maybe fear of a parent. And God says, no, 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 I'm going to be your better parent. I'm going to be your better father. Would you allow me to father you in the way that maybe your father did not father you, to calm you and bring about you a peace that you were created for? This is why he has, he has come. So we cultivate patience, but we also lean into preparation. Patience and pre preparation. Verse 26, Luke says and writes, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit. There it is again, three times mentioned in the text. The Holy Spirit is present. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Imagine the moment. They're rolling in. Mary and Joseph are just kind of in the zone. They just got their baby loaded up. You all know how it is. Crazy town. They finally got to, their, got to the temple and they're like, whew, we made it. Some of you guys are maybe rolling in like that yourselves. Mary and Joseph get it. We all get it. But the Lord has something. And there is Simeon. He's waiting and this old man takes the baby for Mary and Joseph. Now, if you're a new parent and some old man rolls up on you and takes your child, they ain't going to let that happen. Think how old they are, okay? I know old men just kind of get away with things. I look forward to that day. Maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. But someone comes in and takes my fresh wiggly, uh, wiggly one, holds them up in their arms. Hey, I, I ain't going to be reading the text. Uh, they, you know, I'm about to choke slam him. That's what's about to happen. And yeah, you're about to depart in peace real quick, touching my child. What are you doing, Simeon? Because when the Holy Spirit guides and moves, and Jesus is also in the building, things happen that don't make sense. Church, where are you relying on such a control of, of, of sense where you're not lean, leaning into risk going into the new year? Because when the Holy Spirit moves up and he, and he moves, it, it, he moves in such a way that doesn't make normal sense for us. He takes what is mundane and he turns it into what is marvelous. That in this daily grind of life, when we look to Jesus, we tend to be more generous for the kingdom. When we look to Jesus, we take him up ourselves with Simeon. We, we see our kids as gifts. When we look to Jesus, we see our jobs as a means to leverage the gospel. When we look to Jesus, we realize that we're just custodians of our homes. When we look to Jesus, we don't waste our retirement, but we seek ways to still stay in the game. When Jesus becomes the center in everything of your life, everything changes. Grumbling turns to gratitude. Resentment turns to rest. Apathy turns to awe. Simeon takes up baby Jesus. He says, I'm ready to go. I'm full. I'm content. My eyes have seen your salvation. He's no longer just looking at a child. He's, he's seen salvation. He's seen that the one that he holds, holds his eternity in his arms. That he has prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. That's where our, that's where our title comes from. 
right there in the text. I ain't so creative. It's just right there. Prepared. What's he preparing? Light and glory. What a moment for Simeon to lock eyes with Jesus and Jesus to lock eyes with him, knowing that he had been waiting, knowing that in the midst of the dark, in the midst of the wait, God was preparing something. He was doing something. There was an advent a few years ago here at the Grove that our our theme was the fullness of time from Galatians chapter 4. That at the right time, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. So if you feel like time is draining or time is, is, is depleting, God's timetable says, no, time is filling up. That when you talk about God's glory, you can turn that into the mix. It's, it's a filling up. It's a, it's a fullness. Though it may seem that God has left you in the dark, no, light and glory has broken in. He's up to something. In our longing to be married, he's up to something. In our longing for a job, he's up to something. In the longing of a child of your own, he's up to something. In our longing for healing of sickness, he's up to something. In our longing for reconciliation with a family member or friend, he's up to something. In our longing for someone to know Jesus, they don't know Jesus yet, you've been praying for them, you've been trying to share the gospel with them, he's up to something. In our longing for addiction to no longer have a hold on you, he's up to something. Wherever we are at, our greatest comfort has come in our Emmanuel, our God who went without to be with us. He endured pain to comfort us in our pain. He emptied himself so that we could be made full. So we take hold of Jesus, knowing Jesus has taken hold of us. And so we constantly run after him and pursue him not just in the Christmas season, but we join in with the wise men and the shepherds and the nations in pursuing towards that manger and pursuing towards our king. Now, there's a long-standing tradition that you may not know about. When I say long-standing, I may maybe like a good old few years where on December 31st, I refer to the Lion King a lot. And I was told, you better not bring up the Lion King, Aaron. I know you like to bring that up, but hey, calm that down. I can't help it. It's in the text, right? You got Simeon lifting up baby Jesus. Nations are coming to him. I had circle of life in my head. I could not escape it. What was I doing for sermon prep? Watching the Lion King. You best know it. Circle of life coming on. That sun, that sun's coming out. You got the, the, the animals are pursuing from a distance. All types of creation, all colors, all tribes. And then when baby Jesus lifted up, they go berserk. Because when you encounter the king, it elicits a response. How will you respond to the king, church? Because light and glory has broken in. A light for the Gentiles and glory for your people, Israel. What an interesting phrase. That I can't really tell you, to be honest, like all what, what that means. I have like a feeling. Some commentators that can commentate on this light and glory. But this light has come uh, to represent truth. And this glory has come as a weight. That's what the the word glory means. It means weight. That truth and weight has come. That our longing for truth, our longing for clarity, our long for light, light has come and glory has come to fill you, to satisfy you. That's why it says light for the Gentiles because the Gentiles, they didn't have the truth. They didn't have the sacred writings. They may have heard stories, but 
it's, it's glory for Israel because Israel knew the light. They were familiar with the light. They've experienced the light. But maybe didn't actually let that glory in to satisfy them, and we can do the same. Without beholding God's glory, we'll attempt to rob God's glory and to lift our image rather than reflect God's image. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, maybe on the screen behind me, Paul writes, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Where they can't see, they can't see the light to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we proclaim not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Genesis chapter 1, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And there we see Simeon has a front row seat to this verse. He's beholding the face of Jesus. Where once God's glory passed by Moses, where once God's glory dwelt in a box there in the Ark of the Covenant, glory wrapped itself in flesh and dwelt among us, and now glory resides in us, according to Colossians 1, verse 27, which is Christ in you, the what? The hope of glory. That glory has come to provide a way to provide satisfaction. That there's something different about us. And I don't know what you're going through or what fire that you, you may be going through, but in the same chapter of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. I ain't talking about LBs on the scale. I'm talking about some weight that would be on you on the other side that's going to look different than how you were before. That God's at work. He's up to something. He's refining this past Advent season, there's a song by We the Kingdom uh, called Light of the World, and the lyrics go like this, real short. It says, from great heights of glory. You ever listen to a song, you're like, I need to hit that on repeat. Maybe rewind that a little bit. Maybe a lot. I kept rewinding this, rewinding this phrase. From great heights of glory, you saw my story, God. You entered in and became one of us. Therefore, sing hallelujah. Sing Hallelujah, because when you encounter the king, you encounter his glory, there is a response. And Simeon can't help but sing. I ain't going to sing for you, okay? I'm going to leave the singing to the band up here. But when Simeon, that's why this, uh, this chapter is known as Simeon's song. When you receive this king of glory, you can't help but respond with proclamation. So Simeon, we see patience, we see preparation, and thirdly, we see Proclamation. He begins to sing in song without fear or hesitation. He breaks out, doesn't get caught up in what are people going to think of me. He's like, whatever, man, my eyes have seen salvation. I can't help but sing. And it may not sound good, but I'm, I'm going to throw some prophecy in there from Isaiah 42, verse 6, in order to confirm what's going on, that the wait is over. Our Messiah, he is here. There's something about a song that sticks. Yesterday, I got, I got in my car and turned on some country, and Kenny Chesney was playing. I haven't listened to Kenny Chesney in 25-plus years. But when the song Young came on, I knew every single word right from the beginning, right in my car. There's something about a song that sticks. There's the reason why when you leave here today, you're going to be humming and singing what we sang today. Like a sermon, I don't know, that happened, but that song there. You sing, you sing it in your kitchen, you sing it to your kids, 
Like, why is that song stuck in my head? Because there's something about a song that is powerful. And a song gives us words that we don't have ourselves. Sometimes a song will name some feelings that are going on in us that we didn't know were there. There can be a tune with the truth that tunes our heart back to Jesus or calms the anxiety within. Singing, church, singing is, is powerful. A couple of weeks ago, on my, on, my, uh, on my news feed, there was a, a video from Desiring God. I think it was their end of year uh, giving uh, video or one of them. And uh, he began to talk about uh, a guy named Jehoshaphat from First Chronicles 20. So, of course, Piper's preaching on First Chronicles 20. You guys are doing, y'all going through Judges? Good work, people. Press on. There, Piper, he's preaching on First Chronicles 20. It's an old sermon of his. And he talks, he talks about how the God, uh, God declared victory. He said, I'm going to win this battle. Jehoshaphat found himself encountering an enemy named Moab. And God says, I'm already going to win. The battle is already won. And what does Jehoshaphat do? He assembles a choir. I'm about to face some opposition. I'm about to go to war. I ain't going to be assembling a choir, y'all. I ain't going to be calling the band uh, to be singing. No, no, no. I'm going to be grabbing some other things. You know what I'm saying? Jehoshaphat calls the choir, and it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 20, sorry, yeah, chapter 20, verse 21, after he consulted with the people, he appointed singers to sing to the Lord and praise, and praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out ahead of the army, singing, give thanks to the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. They shout victory before the battle begins because God had promised it. There in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, they find themselves in prison. We're talking about singing, by the way. It's midnight. They're locked up. What do we, what do we see there in Acts chapter 16? They were singing and praying. And the text says the prisoners were listening to them. Church, you know your greatest witness is not when things are easy, but it's in the midst of hardship. They're pressing in. They're, pri- they're in prison. They're in the dark, but they're so gripped by the light that they can't help but sing to say there's something going on beyond our circumstances. God's doing something, church, beyond your circumstances to invite you into the weight of his glory where we can't help but sing. That in the midst of hardship, in the midst of the mountain, in the midst of the valley, we sing. And the text says in verse 26, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, and so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Can you imagine? It's midnight. They're in prison. They're singing. And there's a, literally a physical response. Chains are breaking. It's in the singing of the people. Freedom exists. When you don't feel it, when you may be not experiencing it, we go to the word and say, I don't feel this. I know this is true. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom he set us free. And we go that and we preach to our heart. We sing to our heart. Because it's in the midst, we just took communion, we just took in the midst of betrayal, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of that night Jesus was with his disciples. What did he do? He sung a hymn. And there he left and went into Gethsemane, into the darkness, to give us, to give us light. There was a missionary, his name is Jim Elliott, on, on January 8th, 1956. He was waiting on the bank. He had been ministering and praying for this tribe called the Alcas. 
You don't know the story of, of, of Jim, Jim Elliott. His words are still often quoted. His legacy continues as I'm talking about him this morning. And it was reported from headquarters that the last thing they did before they crossed the river to reach the people that God had appointed for them is that they sung a hymn. And what did they sing? They sang, Jesus, our righteousness, our sure foundation, our prince of glory, and our king of love. We go in faith, our own great weakness feeling, and needing more each day, thy grace to know. Yet from our hearts a song of triumph pealing, we rest on thee, and in your name we go. They crossed the river, and at 4.30 that afternoon, they were killed. And I'm listening to the video, Piper's talking, and he says, in relation to this story, he said, God protected them. I thought, what? Protect, protected them? They laid down their lives. Their families are going to go through the valley. He said, God protected them from unbelief. God protected them from cowardice. God protect, protected them from fear. And God protected them from going home so someone else can reach the Alcas. They knew they were so eternally secure that it took a song to propel them across that river. And even though they have died, their ministry lives on today and has a rippling effect for eternity. Their example, church, points to Jesus who gave us his all for us to find our all in him. It says there in Luke chapter 2, verse 34, in this same context of opposition, Simeon blessed Mary and his mother. They have this special moment saying, opposition's coming. Behold, this child is appointing for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon goes to uh, Jesus' mom and says he's going to become the great divider. Some would reject him. Others, by sovereign grace, would accept him. And forever, neutrality to the king would be forever impossible with Jesus. Can you imagine Mary remembering Simeon's words? Can you imagine uh, Mary remembering Simeon's words as her soul was pierced through, seeing Jesus get pierced through on that cross? There at Calvary, humanity's depraved heart was on display, while at the same time, the heart of God was revealed. That Jesus' arms would be spread wide on that cross to invite all to come to him. To demonstrate how far and how wide he cast our sin from east to west, Psalm 103 would say. And he would be nailed and pierced to pierce our hearts with light and glory. Church, what is your response to the king heading into this new year? Let us be a patient people. Ones that know preparation is taking place and that we proclaim light and glory have come to our neighbors, to our networks, and even to the nations. I'll close with this final thought. Lance and I were texting back and forth and he said, hey, is there something you would share as you've been gone? What would you, what would you pass on? And I really just want to say one thing, is stay the course. 
keep Jesus' mission of making, maturing, and multiplying disciples at the forefront? With a building or without one? With 500 or five? Continue to invite all people to follow Jesus in all of life. And let Jesus do his piercing and revealing work in your heart. In your heart. And also in others God may bring in. Therefore, let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. And especially to those who are the household of faith. For Jesus... For good, light and glory for all who come. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for your written word. We're also grateful for the living word. Where it says in John chapter 1 verse 5 that that light has come and darkness cannot overcome the light. So God, I pray that you instill patience in us. That we just wouldn't muster up on our own strength, but we rely on your strength to produce a patience, knowing that you're preparing something, and that we would encounter you and proclaim your goodness to our neighbors and to the networks and to the nations. God, I pray that wouldn't just be a saying in this place. God, I pray that that we'd have some stories around this as we would follow you into the uncertain waters, knowing that light has come, that we have a song to sing. So God, I pray as we close, I pray that we would sing. That we'd preach to our heart, even when we don't feel it, that you're good and you're great and you're glorious. We love you, Jesus, ultimately because you first loved us. In your name I pray, amen.